0: came out to like $253 total so I got a $3 hotel stay at a Hilton.
1: Hello, hello friends. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Daily Drop Podcast. We've got some juicy topics today. We're going to we're going to put the spotlight on Delta again. <laughs>
0: Not for too long, though.
1: Yeah, we won't We won't be too long, but we're going to tell you about how they've decided to backtrack a little bit. We're going to chat through some Hilton changes and maybe some differing opinions between myself and Mike on that one. I'll, so, I'll convince
0: you. You'll, we'll be on the same page by the end of the episode.
1: You know, I feel like that's a really fair guess of what's going <laughs> to happen, but... We'll see, and then we've got a fun listener question dealing with three hundred and fifty thousand capital one points Ooh. so we should have a fun time with that one uh so exciting stuff as usual, and speaking of excitement in the daily drop world, Mike, I heard you're doing something extra cool this evening.
0: yeah, I think it's pretty cool i uh was so I'm home in Toronto, and last night I was just like, "You know what? I should hang out with some daily drop readers. So I threw out a feeler on the Daily Drop lounge, our Facebook community, and said, "Hey everyone, who wants to get some drinkies in, tom- in Toronto tomorrow night?" And a lot of people <laughs> responded, and now we have uh, now it's a whole thing. And so tonight, uh, my friend and I will be meeting up with like 13 or 15 daily drop readers at a bar here in toronto we locked down a little uh venue like a private room to to have some people have some drinks talk about travel talk about life you know and it's gonna be fun i'm excited
1: i'm jealous i
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'll do the next one in in your neck of the woods
1: i think that is a good idea we're coming into winter everyone wants to hang out in florida right
0: (laughs) i mean sure (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking forward to winter like so much of my travel this year has been crazy hot weather like even earlier in the year I was in like the Middle East I was in like Iraq and Tanzania in the the early winter and then I was like in the Middle East and then this summer I was in Asia which was just like scorching hot and then back in Africa and India and South America so I've just been like in the heat all year I'm ready for some good old-fashioned Canadian winter
1: yeah yeah all right, well.
0: But I'll still come down for a meetup.
1: <laughs> I mean, it gets cold here for like a couple weeks, so.
0: <laughs> what is cold to you, though? Uh
1: It's it's moderate. It's like fall weather for everyone else.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. That's fair.
1: <laughs> well, moving on. Let's talk Delta. A yeah. fast spotlight <laughs> so on a never-ending news story.
0: I know, right? It's, I mean, they're getting some publicity out of the whole thing that's for sure but true if if you're not familiar which i think most of you are delta came out at this point like a month ago now almost um with some new changes to the sky miles program and people were well you know they were not happy uh they got major backlash from this more so probably than any loyalty program update in history i think like people really loyal delta flyers swore off delta because of these changes and the ceo was having a some kind of like press conference or something a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago and ed bastion he's the ceo of delta and he hinted that he understood that things were bad and people were unhappy and that eventually they'd be walking back some of the changes sure enough they did they actually i mean that's a that's something you know, yeah. they did what they said and they walked back some of the changes. And so we're gonna tell you about a couple of those changes that ones that will apply to the most people, which I think is the um, qualifying requirements for elite status, for Sky Miles medallion status and the lounge policy. Um, there are some other changes as well that you can read about online, but these are the ones that most people were upset about. And I think that'll apply to the vast majority of people. So if you weren't aware, Basically, when Delta came out with this announcement a month ago, they significantly increased um, the requirements to achieve elite status with Delta. Sometimes by like a hundred percent increase from what it was what it is right now. Still, um, so they walked those back a little bit. So, for example, to qualify for silver status, right now you can do that for three thousand MQDs, which is like the the qualifying currency. Um, they announced that it would be up to 6,000, but then they walked that back to 5,000. Whereas the top tier status, which is currently 20,000, mm-hmm. they increased to 35,000 MQDs with the original announcement and have walked that back to 28,000. So what what do you think about that, Megan? Should I we mean, all go back to Delta now?
1: I think it's solid that they listened to everyone and they did make some walkbacks. Like, I think that speaks highly to Delta, the company. Do I think we should all go running back to Delta? No, I mean twenty eight thousand dollars is a meaningful amount of money to get to like the, that high tier, right?
0: Yeah, twenty eight thousand. Yeah, and keep in mind, right now it's twenty thousand. So this yeah, is yeah. even with the walkbacks, like this is still an eight thousand dollar a year increase. From what yeah. it is right now, that is significant. Like that's already an almost 50% increase just because so basically what they're trying to do is they're like, look at us. We're so great. We're doing this amazing thing for you. Yeah. This is a positive update. And it's like, well, you're still drastically increasing them, even though it's less drastic than what it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so and yeah, and the big thing for me, not that it applies to me at all, but like in my brain, we know now. That like Delta wants to get to that point where top tier status is 35,000 MQDs, for example. Right. Now it's just going a little more slowly. So, like, I feel like maybe we bought like a year or two more time, but that's where it's going to go eventually. And that's still really high. And they kind of like revealed their hand with the original announcement. Like, now we know what's going to happen down the road. It's just a matter of time. But like, so yeah, I think for very few people, this is going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of like sticking with Delta and trying to qualify for one more year, maybe. But at the same time, why would you continue to invest in a program that you know is still gonna keep going in that direction? That's my personal yeah. take. Um yeah. But the lounge access aspect is actually less bad, I think. The final result of the backtracking, I think, is like pretty solid. Yeah. So there was huge backlash for this because they basically lowered the number of. They basically just um, really restricted lounge access for everyone, especially cardholders of Delta co-branded credit cards. And so for the pla- or sorry, for the Delta Sky Miles Reserve card, which is like the top tier card, they had announced that you would get ten individual visits per year. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot for a hundreds of dollars a year annual fee they upped that to 10 or sorry they upped that that it was 10 now it's up to 15 with the backtracking the other card that they um announced is the platinum card the mx mm-hmm. not the mx platinum but the mx delta platinum card um which they had announced would come with six lounge visits per year and that is now up to 10. that's okay but the big change here is that now a lounge visit will be good for 24 hours yeah. And so people were concerned imagine you're taking a round trip you fly from New York to to uh Atlanta to Salt Lake City right and then you're there for a few days and you fly from Salt Lake City to Atlanta back to New York um that's your itinerary you would use theoretically four lounge visits on that single round trip like if you go to the lounge in New York and then on your layover in Atlanta And then on the way back, same thing, lounge in Salt Lake City and then again in Atlanta, four of your six visits, if you hold the platinum card, are now gone just from a single trip. So it's ridiculous, it's worthless in my opinion. So now in a 24 hour period, you can go to a lounge as many times as you want and it'll only use up one visit. And so now you have uh, 10 visits on the platinum card and 15 visits on the reserve card which is, I think, a pretty meaningful difference because that means 15 days out of the year, you can use it uh, no matter how many layovers you have. So, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that, Megan.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, nice that they raised it. Do you think, though, that a lot of companies are just feeling pressure to create lounge restrictions?
0: Yeah, well, I mean... (laughs) This isn't the first time Delta has even, like a year ago, they had a similar thing where they really cut back on lounge access. um And so it's clearly a problem. And a lot of people complain about this. Like we see people in the lounge all the time in the Daily Drop lounge complain like, oh, like I traveled, you know, I only travel three times a year and I finally have like Delta access. But when I got there, I couldn't get in because the lounge was Mm -hmm. at capacity. And it's just like a mess. And that's just the reality. So like they definitely need to do something. Um, And hopefully this, yeah, it's this weird balance where it's like they need to do something because otherwise people are just not even using the benefit. People are upset. It's not even a good experience to be there. So you need to like cut back while also still giving people who pay a lot of money for credit cards, who pay a lot of money on Delta, the option of having that benefit. It's like a weird balance. They kind of dug themselves into a hole with this one and now it feels like it's a complicated issue of how to get out of that hole so i think delta is probably the worst mm-hmm. with this but i it just lounges everywhere in the u.s these days are kind of overwhelming
1: yeah yeah i mean i think overall like if you're just a general travel hacker not super loyal to delta not traveling delta for business would I say run and get a Delta card? Probably not, even with these changes. Um, yeah. If you are just an intense Delta loyalist, and I think specifically do a lot of like Delta travel for business or work mm-hmm. or something like that, it could pay out. Uh, I'm not overly excited. I still love Delta, but I still don't <laughs> love Delta Sky Miles. So yeah. I won't be going to- towards loyalty this year. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, I think business travelers is who all of these changes yeah. are geared towards because it doesn't matter how much a flight costs, they're going to be like the company's paying yeah. for it, you know? So it's like, doesn't, it's just people who are spending probably even more than 35,000 a year. Like when you're traveling for business once a week, you're, you could be racking up easily like over 50 grand a year in flying. And you know, it's not, they're not looking for leisure travelers or casual travelers or even travel hackers, it's just like the high spend business clientele that these changes are going to work really well for in the end. So unfortunately, most people listening to this and most people traveling, it's just going to be really hard if you want to stick with Delta.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. All right. Is that enough Delta Spotlight for like the rest of the year?
0: Yeah, let's let's stop. I don't I don't like the taste in my mouth after <laughs> talking about Delta. Let's move on to Hilton, which <laughs> is a pretty big shakeup. I think I was excited when I saw this announcement. Basically, the Hilton co-branded credit cards uh, through American Express have gotten a big refresh mm-hmm. in everything from the benefits to the credits to the annual fees to even the card art um and i kind of saw this coming because about a year ago or a little less than a year ago american express and hilton sent out surveys to people who had hilton cards not everyone Mm -hmm. but like some people and they said how would you feel like they basically surveyed potential changes to the cards. so there's a lot of speculation that changes like this would be coming and we had a rough idea of like the type of changes that would be happening Mm -hmm. um some of them didn't happen like lift credits were a big part of the survey and those didn't make it into the cards at all um Mm -hmm. so yeah megan and i allegedly disagree on (laughs) on um how we feel about these changes but we're going to just break it down card by card um specifically the hilton aspire card which is the top tier card and the hilton surpass card have changes. The normal Hilton Honors card did not get any changes except for the card art. So now it looks mm-hmm. hideous and stupid. Um but other than that, it remains the same. And the business card uh is the same. Yeah. But the the Aspire card, let's let's talk about all the changes here. So first we're going to talk about the annual fee. So it was a $450 card before these changes, which is pretty reasonable, I think, like for a high tier card, but Yeah. I think everyone was waiting to see how high this would go up because if you look at the Marriott Bonvoy card from American Express, that went up to like 650 last year. The platinum card is $700. There's so many just crazy expensive high tier cards, but with this card, it only went up by a hundred bucks. So now it's $550, which is, don't get me wrong, a lot of money, but it um, makes up for it, I think. And so let's talk about what isn't changing on the card, which is one of the things that I was excited about because a big perk of this card, two big perks of this card are you get Hilton Diamond status from holding the card, which is the highest level of Elite status. So that means you get sweet upgrades, you get extra points, you get free breakfast, uh, late checkout, all the good stuff. That still comes with the card. Excellent. The other big perk is the Free night Award. Mm -hmm. So Hilton Free night Awards are the most valuable free night awards you can get period because there's no cap as long as there's a standard room available it doesn't matter how many points a room costs you can use your free night award for it and you get one of those every year just for holding the card that is also still intact so in my opinion the two big things are still there but let's talk about what's going away (laughs) and what's going away is kind of a big one that is the priority pass membership so what how do you feel about that
1: on I have stronger feelings about the priority pass membership with the surpass card because I think if you're holding this premium Hilton card I feel like you're probably more likely to have other premium cards in your wallet that likely have a priority pass with them Mm -hmm. so I feel like in regards to changing it with this card, I don't feel strongly towards it either way. I don't think it was a big hit based on the other things they added with the Aspire.
0: I agree completely. Like, If there is any one aspect of the card that I would have wanted to get rid of, uh, it would have been the priority pass. Because it's something that, like you said, if you're someone who's paying 450 bucks for a card, you're probably also the kind of person who has like a Platinum card or a Chase Sapphire Reserve or something else that has... Priority pass, a Venture X card, or something like that. Um, having said that, if you did care about the Priority Pass membership here, if this was like your one unlimited Priority Pass membership, that's going to be a hit. But yeah. like, I think we both agree that for most people, that's not the case. And we'll talk about the Surpass later, which I think is more meaningful there. Yeah. Other than that, it's actually a lot of good stuff because here is what is being added to the card now so those are like the what's staying the same and what's going away overall we're doing pretty well so far but now previously you had a 250 dollars hilton resort credit per year with this card so that can be used for anything it can be used for room rates just like paying for a hotel room or anything else you charge to your room at the hotel even parking breakfast whatever um, that is now up to four hundred dollars per year up from two hundred fifty, broken down into two two hundred dollar credits, so one two hundred dollar credit every six months. So you can't use all four hundred at once. but again, if you hold this card like if you are if you go to Hilton's enough to pay four hundred fifty or in this case five hundred fifty dollars for a credit card with Hilton, you're probably going to be able to spend two hundred dollars every six months at Hilton Resorts, probably. It is fairly restricted, but you'd be surprised what is on that list of resorts. For example, like I stayed at a Hilton resort in Cairo, Egypt, uh, mm-hmm. and I was u- able to use my $250 Aspire credit there for two nights. It came out to like $253 total. So I got a $3 hotel stay at a Hilton. Um, they have resorts. They're not all like the what you think of as a resort, just like the all-inclusive right. beach luxury stuff. There are a lot of like lower tier and mid-range hotels in weird places all around the world that are technically resorts so I find it pretty solid as a perk
1: yeah I think again
0: (laughs) (laughs) tell us how you really feel Megan
1: yeah I just think again if you're if you're paying for a premium Hilton card and you're a frequent Hilton traveler then yeah you're gonna get value out of that credit
0: right Agreed. (laughs) But I think what to me is an even more exciting change is the $200 flight credit. Mm -hmm. So this is different. So previously, there was a $250 airline incidental credit. And what that means is you can use it for things like seat selection. You can use it for onboard meals, checked bags. So incidentals, ancillary purchases with an airline. But you could only pick one airline to use that credit with. And you can change that once per year. And it was incredibly restrictive, even though I think what Megan and I both do is just load our United travel bank, which basically turns that credit into cash with United. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we talked about that um, on a past episode. Oh, Masterclass. That's where we talked about it. Yeah. So there were some ways to kind of turn this into cash. But again, it's very limited because you could only do it with United or if you wanted to use it somehow with another airline, you couldn't. You could only choose one airline, use it. Now it's just a $200. So it's $50 less, but it's just flight credit. And you can use that for any airline in the world when you're booking straight with the airline. And so whether you're you know, buying an expensive Delta flight to Europe and you just want to shave, uh, sorry, bad example, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> any other airline flight to Europe and want to shave $50 off. Or if you buy a cheap Spirit Airlines flight, like a round trip for yeah. 40 bucks, or a Ryanair flight in Europe, or an AirAsia flight in Malaysia, or anywhere else in the world, airfare, this is just $50 per quarter for a total of $200 per year. So once every three months, $50 and it is annoying that you can't just use it all at once but like again people who are in this game people who are listening to this people who are holding a credit card like this spend fifty dollars every three months on airfare Uh, and that can even be used i think for taxes and fees so for me Mm -hmm. in canada um like in the us you only get charged for a domestic flight like five dollars and sixty cents and taxes and fees you could just like chip away at that credit Uh, even on award flights and just save five bucks here and there added up to 50 bucks. At the end of the day, it's the same amount as long as you spend $50 per quarter. And that doesn't even mean you have to fly once every three months. Like all you have to do is spend that on the card every three months. So if you have a trip, let's say next June, you could book one of your flights now And then you you could book your return flight in January when the next credit, when the next Mm -hmm. quarter triggers. So, like, you can still use these for a single trip that's in the future by spacing out when you're just paying for the flights. Because it's not about when you're flying. It's about when you make the purchase. So, I think it's – I like it way better because I can just use it for anything. Um, Like, I spend way more than $50 per quarter on airfare and taxes and fees. So, I'm a huge fan of this one.
1: Yeah. I mean – it's fine again, it's fine if Hilton's taking notes from this podcast, I think it would be even better if it was higher.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, obviously it would be better if it's higher, but we're
1: I just think even so it was two hundred and fifty before, and even though it was restricted, I do feel like having the higher amount at once feels meaningful.
0: But even then, you could only use it for one airline and it's not like you could even use it all at once. You still had to, even if you wanted to use it for like travel bank credit like we do, you still had to break it up into smaller purchases. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like very restricted. Whereas now, as long as you're just like charging it to the card, you don't have to activate anything. You don't have to choose an airline. You don't have to like go into your statement and erase it. It's just spend money, purchase, deduct $50 automatically. Like it's zero effort. It's way more flexible. It's still a little bit of a headache, but the old credit was also a little bit of a headache, but way more rigid. And so I think if anything, we could agree that it's like a (laughs) lateral move. Like both of them have some benefits, both of them have some headaches. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: that's fair enough. I can agree with that. It doesn't make me so excited to be a holder of this card though.
0: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I I can get on board with that assessment. Except not for these next ones, because there's even more good stuff to add on to this. So I think that we can agree that the resort credit is a net yeah. improvement. I mean, that's $150 bucks more per year. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. The airline credit lateral move. Sure. The annual fee has gone up by $100, but we already agree, agreed also that the resort credit is up by $150. So we're already in the net positive uh, credit to annual fee wise. We're actually like way in the net positive, but we're I'm being generous to you here by not valuing that airline credit by too much. So keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> the next big change is with the free night awards. Mm-hmm. So in the past, you could always earn an additional free night award when you spend $60,000 on the card in a year. That's a lot. I don't think many people were doing that, but now there's an additional tier where you can earn another free night award at $30,000 of spend in a year. And so basically each year you hold this card, you can get up to three Hilton free night awards. If you get one automatically every year, one at $30,000 and one at $60,000. That's a lot of spend. But we also said that free night awards with Hilton are the most valuable. And you also earn a lot of points on this card. So if you're a Hilton loyalist, you're just earning so many points. If you put $30,000 of spend on this card, you're earning hundreds of thousands of points. um, And these free night awards, which are the most valuable in the business. So it's, I mean, obviously a net improvement. They just kept everything the same, but added in another free night at half the required spend of what was already there. Um yeah.
1: Yeah. I I I can feel excited about this one. I I I do like when there are some perks like this to when you have a a big expense or you just know you're going to have a higher spend year and you don't you aren't necessarily trying to rack up sign up bonuses at the moment. I mm-hmm. do like when cards have perks like this to to balance out what you're earning in your travel hacking journey.
0: Yeah, it's great because I I often get into this point where like, I'm not working on, like you said, any kind of sign-up bonus, not working on, I- I'm basically like, where should I put my everyday spend? Um, and having a card like this, where there are these like milestone benefits just from spending pure dollars, you'll unlock something, especially when it's as valuable as a Hilton Free night Award. I like that. But even 30,000 is a lot. And also the Surpass card has the same feature. But for mm-hmm. fifteen thousand mm-hmm. a year, and so again, if like that's far more reasonable for people to just be putting everyday spend on to unlock a free night award, um, so it kind of you have to see what your spend is like. If you're a just a really high spender, then obviously the Aspire card is great. If you're a normal person and you also love Hilton and want to get a free night award, then the Surpass for spending like that. But just in terms of the the changes to the card big net improvement is to like a, another free night award opportunity awesome then there is another credit which is for clear yeah. and clear is what is clear
1: it's like a step before tsa pre-check right so it's like it helps you cut lines even more in airports
0: exactly yeah it's like it's not even just at airports it's at like yeah. sporting venues True. now like stadiums and stuff <sighs> this one is
1: feelings about clear don't you
0: i got mixed feelings about clear and this credit Mm. because like the priority pass membership yeah clear is something that's offered on so many cards and so again for a lot of people like we said a lot of people holding this card probably have another premium card and therefore they probably already have a clear credit so for a lot of people you can't really put any value on this unless you have multiple people in your household And you want to sign up multiple people for Clear. In that case, it's great to have multiple Clear credits on different cards because you can use, say, like your platinum card credit for you. And then your spouse, you can use this Hilton Aspire Clear credit and you can both get a free Clear membership every year. So there are situations where it can be valuable. But for most people, I don't think it's going to move the needle at all personally. So it's, yeah, cool if you can use it, but I don't really put any value on it maybe um, like
1: softens the blow a little bit of getting rid of priority pass if you were using this card for priority yeah, pass a... primarily <laughs> at least you're getting an airport perk still
0: sure yeah yeah for sure but again like if you want priority pass then you're gonna have to get another card that yeah. offers it and chances are that card is also gonna have the clear credit and so it's mm, fair kind of a weird trade-off I think sure. so yeah. I think this is like if we're saying like it lost priority pass but gained clear, I'd say that's like a net negative to the the changes. Um so there's that. But there are a couple more couple more perks to throw into the mix. First, um <clears throat> national executive status. Yep. What the heck is that?
1: <laughs> Car rentals.
0: Yeah they're really branching out past the the hotels now with this card (laughs) you got your hotel credits your airfare credits and now car rental elite status which could be really good for people um yeah
1: Yeah. i mean i love an easy status like i love a status i don't have to work towards
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and even if you never use it um status matches are a thing and sometimes even hotel programs and like airlines um that have status matches, sometimes you can match from like, you can match between car rental, airline, hotel elite status to other elite statuses that aren't in the same category. And so, yeah, it doesn't hurt to have free elite status. And even if you just use it once to rent a car sometime and you get like free protections, you get like a free car upgrade, you get a lower prices, uh, you get to like skip the line when you're picking it up. Like they're not meaningless perks if you rent cars, which a lot of people do. Um, Yeah. So I'm it could a, be I'm meaningful. a big
1: car renter when, oh, yeah? when traveling. So and love an easy status and particularly national you can match that to Enterprise and Hertz. So mm-hmm. you're already opened up to lots of car rental opportunities there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, not a not a terrible perk and there aren't a lot of cards that offer car rental yeah. perks especially like elite status perks. So it's kind of unique I think, which is a huge plus for the card instead of some of these overlapping benefits that we've talked about this is one that really just is not offered by many other cards so cool
1: and one more is one there... more yeah let's That's... throw
0: in one more just for fun and that, <laughs> that is the cell phone protection so also now a random one <laughs> yeah again it's like they're really i feel like we talked about this with the business gold card yeah last week A lot of cards now, especially from Amex, which these ones also are, they're going the coupon book route. They're taking a play from the platinum card, which basically high annual fee, lots of credits. And if you can use those credits and perks, the annual fee is worth it, but you have to work for it. And so for a lot of people, they won't. And that's how Amex is going to make their money. And clearly that's what they're doing here. They're throwing in airline and cell phone and car rental and hotel credits and clear credits and all of this stuff with the hope that people just aren't going to make use of them. And that increased annual fee will go straight into MX's pocket, yep. but not, you, not you people, not you people listening to this because you're That's smarter right. than that. You're going to use all these credits. Um, but yeah, so you can get up to $800 of coverage per claim with this cell phone protection. Um, and again, you mm-hmm. need to charge the full price of your phone to this card for this protection to be valid and kick in. So if you, Buy a phone with the uh, which card? Aspire card. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. That's right. Then this coverage you'll be covered by this, but you do have to still pay $50 deductible per approved claim. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's great to for cards to have this kind of insurance. It's not the only one, it's far from the only one to have cell phone protection but again if you're a hilton person and you just want to be racking up as many hilton points as possible then it's great to be able to like put these big purchases on the card knowing that you can both get the points and not sacrifice your points and also have solid protections so again for the right person it's great but again like we've said multiple times now people who have other premium cards probably already have this protection sometimes like a lot of people probably better protection than this like more coverage and no deductible for example yeah so this one i don't place too much value on either
1: yep i would agree it's it's fine thanks for adding it and also i think people listening to this podcast particularly probably have other cards that that have that perk on it
0: yeah so at the end of the day we've increased the annual fee by 100 dollars. yep but we've added a bunch of credits. <laughs> We've added like $300 of credits or something. Yeah. We've added cell phone protection. We've added car rental elite status. We've added another opportunity for a free night award. I think for a $100 increase in the annual fee, like that's not much on a premium card these days for an increase. I think the value that they're offering, if you can take advantage of it, w- pays for that. Um, multiple times over pays for that increase so yeah i think if you hold this card or if you like hilton um and these perks are things you can use then it's a huge win
1: yeah i feel less bitter about the aspire changes than i do the surpass changes
0: yeah let's let's talk about that let's move on to the surpass card what what has changed with the surpass card and why are you upset about it because I'm also excited about this change, too personally all right so I'm all curious right. to hear
1: We'll see if you can um can chat me into this one
0: <laughs> I don't know maybe you'll you'll convince me on this one maybe I feel a little less excited about the aspire now after talking about oh. it out loud, like I'm still excited about it, but talking about some of those credits, like the clear credits and stuff it's like, uh eh, yeah, I guess they're not it's not really that great, so maybe I'll feel the same. After the Surpass.
1: Let's see. So we'll start with annual fee because that's where we started with the Aspire, right? So the Surpass was a $95 annual fee card and it's had a $55 increase now. So it's now a $150 annual fee. Sure. It doesn't seem to... (laughs) It doesn't sting too much. Can you all feel my bitterness coming through the speakers and this? It doesn't sting too much. But I do think the cards that are that $95 annual fee and under are just, once they go over that $95 annual fee, I feel like they go into a different ballgame for people, even at a $55 increase, which feels minimal. Yeah. It feels a little bitter.
0: But what has changed on the card?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll ch- we'll chat through that. Um, so I think the biggest change that they had was they did remove the priority pass visits with this one. And this one only had 10 complimentary passes a year.
0: Which is and a lot.
1: It is for a $95 annual fee. That's one of the lowest. Is it the lowest annual fee card that you could get priority pass with?
0: With complimentary visits? Yeah. Yes. Right. So you can have a priority pass membership where you have to pay per visit. Right. Um, but this is one where you got a membership and 10 visits a year on a $95 card, which is definitely the best, like, deal in terms of lounge access on credit cards, I think. Right. So for anybody who relied on this card as a cheap way, like, maybe somebody who travels two or three times per year You don't need a super premium card, but you like to just have lounge visits for the handful of times you traveled in a year, and this was your way to get that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely going to sting 100%. Like that is, I think out of all of these changes, that one is the biggest loss.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
0: (laughs) again, I got to keep going back to it. Like Most of us have unlimited priority pass visits on another card like priority pass visits I think it's I like it in as a concept especially on the surpass card and I think like I like that a lot of people have that option um and that definitely like I feel their pain but for me I feel no pain at all I feel great actually because I didn't use those at all because I have like five other cards that have unlimited priority pass visits so I was like Awesome. Yeah. Throw those things in the trash. I don't need them. Don't want them. Don't use them. Give me other credits and perks and I'm happy. So, uh, you know, that's just for me. But I think that's a lot of other people, too. I think that it's a very small subset of people who are who relied on those 10 visits as their sole access to priority pass. Yeah. So especially considering there is a new credit that has been added to this card, the surpass card. And that is a $200 hotel credit to any Hilton hotels, not just resorts like the Aspire card. This is for any Hilton. Like the airfare credit on the last card, this is broken up into $50 per quarter. But again, if you're a Hilton person, like that's 200 bucks cash in the bank. Um, And like I said, with the airfare, you can use this over multiple quarters for a single trip that is out in the future. Yep. So you can almost like use it as though it was together. Um, But yeah, the way I feel is like if you hold a co-branded credit card for a hotel, you're probably spending $200 a year at that hotel chain. Otherwise, like why do you even have the card Um, for a lot of people? There are reasons, but I think like $200, $50 once every three months at Hilton is a pretty low lift. And that's that's a change from, like, no credits at all on this card. It's not like this is an increase in credit. It's just it went from zero credits of any kind to $200 at any Hilton hotels in the world. So they increased the annual fee by $55, but they also added $200 of credits. So that's a pretty big net win if you fall into the category that Megan and I do and a lot of people do where those priority pass visits don't sting so much. And, again, if if that's you, if you use those, then this is going to be a loss and you should probably not have the card. If that was the main reason for having the card, then you should probably ditch it, but don't feel too upset because there's an alternative, an easy one, actually.
1: Yeah. A little a little simple hack for you all is that the Hilton Surpass Business card did not make any changes and they have the same priority pass that the personal hilton surpass card had Um, so 10 complimentary passes and they kept their annual fee the same so yeah a little if that was the way you were getting priority pass which i we had a great conversation in the lounge going on the hilton changes and the people it stung the most were the people mm-hmm. that were counting on that card to get their priority past visits with. And so if that was the thing that stung you, then it's a pretty easy solution for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, again, I think that makes these overall changes. Like, for the small percentage of people that that was the make or break thing, there's an easy alternative that's basically like copying and pasting what already exists. And so that makes it sting, I think, a little less, you know, because basically nobody is going to come out of this, these changes without an option. But most people are going to come out ahead of where they were. Yeah, fair enough, in my opinion. And that's not even all of the changes, too, because with the surpass, you also get national executive status, the car rental status, um, same as with the Aspire card. And again, that is from no status (laughs) at all and also another thing we forgot to mention you get automatic gold status by holding the surpass card and that is also staying the same mm-hmm. you still get that which comes with free breakfast at hilton hotels so again a non-trivial perk to have that again on a 150 dollars card you get elite status that comes with free breakfast imagine using that just a few times a year the value of uh, if you're staying at a hotel with someone breakfast for two a few times a year that alone plus the credits plus the elite status like yep um is going to i think just like makes up for that $55 increase in my opinion it still feels like a win
1: i think overall it has some wins i think most of the changes throughout both of these cards for frequent travelers awesome mm-hmm. and i think why i feel like it's a bit of a bummer is just because I want to advocate for those less frequent travelers that just want to take advantage of some awesome travel hacks. And I feel like that's who these changes stung the most.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree, but also like, I don't think a casual few times a year traveler is going to have a Hilton aspire card. True. Right. And for, I think they would hold the surpass card. But again, like we said, you can just get the business surpass card and your life will carry on exactly the way it is now. Yeah. Um, and so like it's it's a headache because you have to like close a card and get a different card. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone comes out at least where they were before. A lot of people come out ahead of where they were before. And so that's why I and, like, I have both of these cards, by the way. I have the yeah. Hilton Surpass and Aspire. And so I'm not, like, I'm saying this as someone who who has these. Hilton is the chain I stay at the least out of mm. the major hotel brands. And I still feel, I mean, I travel way more than normal people. So I get that. Yeah. But, like, I find it just, I think that there are more credits. And I think they're easier to use. And to me, that's pretty valuable.
1: Yes. And I do think for some, breaking up the credit does make it a little more difficult to, to maximize. Yeah. yeah Again, for less sure. frequent travelers.
0: For sure. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I like like we said the the airline credits. Um, it's kind of annoying, but at the same time, the airline incidental fee from before I think was more annoying. So I'm just looking at it like I, it's not a perfect. Yeah set of changes and it's not perfect credits but I think it's I just think it's better than where we were before and on credit cards these days especially premium ones to be like increasing in value over time like the annual fee didn't go up too much the perks are good the credits are good I think they're like a net positive that's great because we're in a world of devaluations and everyone's scared that like credit card points are going away and true here Amex comes out and like does a total revamp in 2023 with some like yeah. awesome new perks and credits without a drastic ask on the annual fee increase. And so like to me it's kind of a relief because I feel like it could have been way worse than this. And so the fact that like you're even creeping out a little bit ahead it feels like a win.
1: Yeah. All of that is very fair. And I personally only have the Surpass card. I don't have the Aspire card. Um Priority Pass didn't personally sting me cuz I have priority pass through several other cards in my wallet i haven't decided if i'm gonna <laughs> i i actually think what i'm gonna do is i think i'm gonna go for a retention offer to nice. see what what happens uh, yeah. when my annual fee comes up
0: can also look at it at a potential upgrade offer as well mm. um mm-hmm. The speaking of offers, there is an increased welcome bonus on the surpass card right mm-hmm. now as well. The aspire card didn't change their welcome offer, but the surpass card has a hundred seventy thousand point sign up nice. bonus, which is a lot for a ninety five dollar yeah. card. They are Hilton points, so like don't think too highly of the offer. But, or sorry, I said ninety five dollar card, hundred fifty dollar card. Um, still though, the the it applies.
1: It's still a great sign up bonus. I mean, for sure. I, I used my Hilton signup bonus for a hotel I had been eyeing in Edinburgh city center. And that was only, mm-hmm. I got 130,000 points for my signup bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They didn't They didn't go as far as other <laughs> hotel chains, but I got to stay in a hotel I'd been eyeing for a really long time and didn't want to pay cash for.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a win. Like a free hotel night is a free hotel night, especially right. if it's a really cool, interesting, expensive property. That's right. Um, and Hilton cards are kind of cool because you can, so what I did is I signed up for the Hilton honors card and the Hilton surpass card. Mm-hmm. And then this year I upgraded my Surpass card to an Aspire card and got an upgrade offer. And right now I'm upgrading my Hilton Honors card to the Surpass card. Yeah. And it's, and then you can all, so you can open up every card and upgrade to each card. So you can get like nice. a whole bunch of sign-up bonuses in the Hilton card family. It's, it's fun.
1: Yeah. Nice. Testing your memory. Do you remember what your upgrade offer was?
0: <sighs> I don't remember. No. Cool. <laughs> It's not as good as a, a sign-up offer, generally Fair. speaking. So yeah, don't yeah. expect like, you know, 150,000, 170,000 points. It might be like 50,000 points, maybe a little more. Still, though, it's
1: yeah. yeah I mean that, it's that a big can chunk be a, of points. That can be a night or two.
0: Well, I don't know. Like, I've stayed in Central America at Hilton yeah. Hotels for 10,000 points a night. If you nice. stay five nights, 40,000 points for five nights, like, there are ways to... To get value out of your Hilton points, for sure. Although most hotels are not like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> More in like the 60, 70, 90.
0: Yeah. But when you get out of the States, yeah, they're nicer hotels. So instead of like a like a Hampton Inn in right. Des Moines, Iowa for 70,000 points, you can stay at like a Waldorf Astoria somewhere else in the world for the same amount of points. Yeah. So there are That's cool true. ways to to use Hilton points. Even in... Like London, you can stay at the like the Waldorf Hilton for like seventy or eighty thousand points a night. Yeah. Um. You can stay at the the Conrad in Bangkok. I stayed at for forty thousand Hilton points a night, which is awesome. Uh. You can stay at the um the Conrad in Seoul for like eighty. 000. There's some good, really good value properties that do cost a lot of points, but they're like really, really top notch, high end hotels. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you changed my mind fully. <laughs> it doesn't feel like I did. To Feels be <laughs> a little sweeter. But I haven't decided personally what I'm going to do. That's yet. fair.
0: That's the thing. And like we're talking about these trying to analyze them just as overall like objective changes, but then yeah. also like a lot of them like the reason I'm so excited about these changes and I'm not like ecstatic about them. I'm just like happy about them. is because of the way I personally travel and how they affect me. But as we said, everybody is different. People liked and relied on different aspects of these cards. And so you just have to sort of crunch the numbers and see for yourself.
1: Yeah. I did like one of our lounge members, Alex, said, I feel like it became more of an actual co-branded card, which I Hmm. thought was an interesting outlook just because of the benefits and the credits. That you get with it? Yeah. Which I do think is an interesting outlook. You you look like you have different thoughts.
0: <laughs> well, I'm trying to think because I feel like most of the changes were straying away from Hilton. Like well, the, I think
1: with the Aspire particularly, you get what? Like 150 more in credits? Or is that the Aspire? For, yeah, 150 yeah, yeah.
0: more in credits for Hilton Resorts. Right, so right. I do mm-hmm. like that. And then with the Surpass card, having any credits at all is awesome. Especially like 200... There aren't many cards in that like tier, like the 100 mm-hmm. to 250 range that offer like that immediate like coupon book value where like the credits outweigh the annual fee. We see right. that on the higher end cards, but not on the the lower end cards. And so it's I I like that personally. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's to me what I why I like cards like the Platinum card It's like a coupon book, but like I'm someone who just enjoys the game. And so I'm happy to like put in some time to make sure that I'm maximizing those credits, getting creative with it, coming out ahead on the annual fee. So when I see opportunities like that, where it's just like you can put cash in the bank and just get more value than the annual fee from the credits, I I love to jump on those. And so especially on a lower tier card in a super easy way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan.
1: Well, listeners and friends tell us what your thoughts are on it we'd love to hear do you love it yeah, I feel it?
0: like we should put a poll in the lounge or something yeah and just like get a I feel like we should like tell people to listen to this episode and then put a poll in the lounge and see how yeah. people feel after like a sort of deep analysis of all these changes because I would be curious to see where most people lie
1: yeah yeah we love a poll in the lounge so we can definitely do that we'll just do like a love it hate it Or stuck in uncertainty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that should cover everyone.
1: (laughs) All right, everyone, come look for that in the lounge then. And uh, shall we do our listener question? Yeah. Of the day. Great. (laughs) Well, as a reminder, since this is still a new segment, which since it's becoming an ongoing segment, maybe we should have a cool name for it.
0: Yeah. What what can we call this?
1: I don't know. Now feels like not the time to brainstorm that because that just popped into my brain.
0: But... (laughs) Yeah, my response was going to be, we will take your question and tell you how to use your points.
1: That is not the sexiest title of a segment, but... No,
0: somebody please help and, and tell us what we should name this. But basically, the gist is, if you have a bunch of points and don't know how to use them, or you know what you want to do, but you don't know like how to best maximize them, send us an email at podcast at com and we will uh, pick one per episode, it feels like right now, is what we're doing. And we'll break down how we would use those points to ideally accomplish what you want to accomplish and give you some ideas of where to get started.
1: Yep, that's right. So today we have a listener question from, we'll call it listener question for now, from Colleen, who says, I would love any ideas for some more fun travel? I have about 350,000 Capital One points. Well done, Colleen. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, I, I live in Buffalo, New York, but will drive to Toronto for an international flight. Would love to go to Italy or Spain. I work as a teacher, so I'm limited to a week at Easter time and in summers. Any suggestions would be great and keep up the good work. Awesome question, Colleen. And You just so happen to be chatting with uh, someone whose home airport is Toronto.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) fly around Toronto a lot, but I actually didn't have to use any of my Toronto specific experience for this because so what I can and first of all, let me just say like Megan and I have both come up with some answers to this, but we have not discussed them ahead of time. Like we're just hearing it for the first time right now. We're just just trying to have some fun with it and see how close we both end up to like what the other one did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went the route of using Capital One Miles to directly offset travel purchases because that is the big differentiator between Capital One Miles and other bank points. You can transfer them. And if there's a transfer bonus, great. Um, like if you're flying out of Canada, like you can transfer them to Aeroplan and that's obviously like a really nice way to use them. But I found when I was just googling around I went on Google Flights quick and I typed in Toronto and Buffalo to um various cities in Spain and Italy and and some other cities in Europe and here's what I came up with. So basically next March in March of 2024, it's so like around Easter time ish. Um dates are like flexible um for this. You can fly round trip Toronto to Dublin Ireland for $381 round trip, stick with me here, right? And once you're in Europe anywhere, especially Dublin, which is the main hub of Ryanair, you can get anywhere else you want also for cheap. So you could book two different tickets, Toronto to Dublin round trip for 381, and then Dublin to say Milan is what I found for $61 round trip. That's a total cash cost of $442 to get yourself a round trip to Milan from Toronto. Um, Now, because of Capital One Miles, you can offset any travel purchase at a rate of one cent per point. So regardless of where you book, you don't need to book through the portal. You don't need to book directly with an airline. You can find the absolute cheapest place that someone is selling these tickets um, on even like an OTA, third-party website, Expedia, Kayak, anything like that, and use your Capital One miles to erase that purchase. So in this case, you could get all of your flights round trip for 44,000 Capital One miles, which is... Pretty solid. You can you can probably do better than that if you transfer them, depending on exactly where you want to go and when. Um, especially if there's a transfer bonus, but that's not a bad deal at all. Forty-four thousand miles round trip to get exactly where you need to go um, during Easter time when you're free. And for hotels, you can use the same exact tool. So I just went on Google Hotels. I googled hotel Milan for a week in. March of 2024 and then I filtered it down. So I looked for hotels with free cancellation. I looked for minimum four star hotels and then I put a cap of $100 per night. And it showed me just like narrowed down a handful of properties, solid. I found a bunch of four star hotels um, right in downtown Milan, great locations, four star hotels, free cancellation. Nice looking hotels for 61 bucks a night. So for a seven night stay, you'd be looking at $413 for seven nights in downtown Milan at a four star hotel. That would cost you 41,300 Capital One miles. So for round trip flights, exactly when you need to go uh, for a week and hotels in a good location, you'd only have to shell out 85,000 Capital One miles for a one week trip to Italy in March, which I think is a great deal. And it means that from your 350,000 Capital One miles, you'll have plenty left over to also go to Spain in the summer, and then both of them again the next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, assuming you're accumulating some more Capital One miles. Um, And the cool part about this is that when you're in Italy, if you're using your Capital One card for... Uh, Things like trains to get around, if you're using it on the subway, if you're using it on sites like Viator or Get Your Guide to Book Travel Activities when you're there. You can, again, continue to erase those purchases with your Capital One miles because they code as travel. So anything that's travel related, you can use miles to erase it. So you can even uh, use more of your miles to offset the overall cost to this trip. So, yeah, that's, I think... I, I just wanted to showcase that because that is the unique thing to Capital One Miles and how you can use them. Um, but Megan, I'm curious to hear what you came up with.
1: Yeah. First of all, I love that you went that route because I do think it is such an interesting and unique way to use Capital One Miles. And I went in a totally different direction. so. Awesome. <laughs> Thus shows us the example that there are so many ways to use your points. So I went the transfer point direction, and I also researched summer months because I was curious that's a that's high season for for Italy and most of Europe travel, right? So I was curious to what you could land. And I just kind of searched all throughout the summer, ranging from early June into late August. I know everyone's summer break is a little bit different. And the best routes that I found were Toronto to Rome through Flying Blue or Aeroplan. Mm -hmm. So at the high... Well, first of all, I like to fly uh US to Europe in business class and then Europe to US in economy but hmm. that is just me personally and i think with 350,000 capital one points you should treat yourself to a lay flat bed <laughs> Crossing, crossing the Atlantic. So I did I did research both, though. If you're like, oh, I don't need the lay flatbed, that's fine. Um, but business class Toronto to Rome on the highest end through Flying Blue was 98,000 points. Again, we're in peak travel season, so I did expect those to be high. But I did find some in throughout August for 55,000 points flying business class um, through Flying Blue, which... Not bad for a business class seat to cross the Atlantic. No. And Flying Blue is one of our friends that likes to do transfer bonuses. Now, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily wait around for one of those to book if you're ready to book now. Um, but it is something you can keep your eye out for to maximize that even more. So on the low end, 55,000 points business class. On the high end, 98,000 points business class Toronto to Rome. And then to get yourself home, if you wanted to fly in economy class, Flying Blue, um we were looking at like 20,000 to 22,000 um points just depending on month and all that. So you're looking anywhere if you want to put that business class seat in, you're looking anywhere from 75,000 points to 120,000 points for a round trip flight over to Rome in high season, which I think that's I think you're doing pretty good if you're if you're in that range and then I actually personally love using my Capital One miles for hotel stays exactly how Mike was sharing. I prefer to use them to offset hotel stays than to do any transfer points mm-hmm. um, for capital One hotel stays, so i won 't repeat through uh, what Mike shared with how you could do that, but that 's what I would do for stays. One other thing that did pop into my mind and i can 't i can 't help myself but t- tap back on some of our sweet spots that we talk about but Would you agree that if if she's looking to go over to Spain and living in Buffalo, New York, you might want to look into that sweet spot flying um, Iberia for, Mm. is it 34,000 points business class? Yeah,
0: 35,000 in business from New York City to Madrid.
1: So it's a little complex because one, you have to get yourself to JFK, which... Would probably be what like a hundred dollar to two hundred dollar flight, maybe Buffalo to yeah. JFK, and then it's also a little complex because you can't directly transfer Capital One over to Iberia. You would have to transfer to British Airways and then to Iberia.
0: Yeah, which is an extra minute yeah. worth <laughs> of time to do so, but it is an extra step.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think but if that's you're, a
0: good deal. Though.
1: Yeah, yeah, if you're wanting to get to Spain why not try and maximize on one of those sweet spots?
0: For <laughs> sure. I mean, Megan was just saying like, even on flying blue, yeah, um, it's like 55,000 on the lowest end mm-hmm. to fly business. Whereas if you can get to New York, then like 35,000 is good. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a good, a good way to do it. I think. True. So I love how so, we didn't talk about this at all. And we both came up with totally different ways to use points and looked at the each of the different options that she gave us yeah like that's yeah that's fun
1: yeah it was fun I agree I'm not gonna lie to you all I was a little nervous when Mike was like we're not gonna <laughs> review like what we came up with and I was like oh gosh but I think both are solid directions like I would be happy if I landed either direction that Mike mm-hmm. and I just shared um, and I think it also just gives everyone listening that open perspective of like, there's so many ways you can use your travel points. All of them are going to get you to amazing destinations and mm-hmm. they're going to be worth it in the end.
0: For sure. Yeah. And you know, it, it depends to on like, we, we both went different routes and something that I will talk about this in another episode. We were actually discussing this before we hit the record button, just about like flying business versus economy Um, like getting the best experience or stretching your points as far as possible there's a lot of debate around this thing and i love that we both showcased the different Mm -hmm. ways on that too like i went the just as cheap as possible as few points as possible flying economy just staying at cheap hotels that are still comfortable but like really saving your points even though you have three hundred fifty thousand available not just using all of them on this trip so that you can use more of them for future trips but it's totally not wrong to shell out like 200,000 points on a super nice, luxurious, awesome trip, especially as a teacher, you don't get to travel that often. You're very restricted with your dates. Like if you want to just like really make this a memorable, enjoyable, comfortable experience, then like, yeah, absolutely. Shell out as many points as you want. And so like Megan said, there are so many ways you can just book these in the first place, but also just so many styles of, of travel from just like keeping it cheap or, you know, balling out and both are correct. So yeah. let us know if that was helpful to you and if like, you know, which style you like best, what you think you might end up using your points on. And as we said, if anybody else has a bunch of points, uh, even if you don't know where you want to go and you're just like, I have X points and I live here, tell me what to do. We'll come up with some some cool creative ideas for you and discuss it on a future episode.
1: That's right. And I think... That brings us to the end of another Daily Drop podcast episode. That's the pod, friends.
0: That's the pod. That was a good one. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to keep the fun going and get more Daily Drop content, you can find us on the internet at dailydrop.com, where you can subscribe to the Daily Drop newsletter. You can read some content on our website. You can look at our favorite card recommendations. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook as well in the Daily Drop Lounge, which there is a link to in the show notes and on social media at Daily Drop, pretty much everywhere you normally go on social media. So come hang out online and say hi. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review, leave us a comment, uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, all the normal stuff that you do when you like content. Just do it for us.
1: That's right, friends. Until next time, happy happy travel hacking.
0: (laughs) Well done. See you, everyone.